Today is Vision Sunday. It's the Sunday that I share with you the vision that God has placed on my heart for the next five years of Fort Caroline Baptist Church. And if you're new to our church, I want to welcome you. In fact, what a great day to join us because you're going to get a little behind-the-scenes peek at who we are and what we value here at Fort Caroline. And we just want to, we just want to be clear right up front, if you're new to our church, we are all about Jesus and we're all about introducing people to Jesus and the love of Jesus Christ. And we're all about calling people to place their trust in him because we believe life is just better with Jesus. And so if you're a, a new person, we welcome you. But maybe you're a longtime uh, attender or member of our church. And you're, you're like me. You love this church and you're excited about what God has done to make us the great, vibrant church that we are today. But you're wondering, what's the future? What does God have for us I want to share some of that with you today. And I'm going to ask you to have open hearts. I'm going to ask you to have uh, a sense of prayerfulness and humility about what God is calling us to do. And I'm going to invite you in to the vision that God has for Fort Caroline Baptist Church, no matter who you are. Today's your first time, or if you're a longtime partner with us here at the church. I don't know how many of you have a smartphone with you today. Anybody got a smartphone? You have it in your purse, your wallet, somewhere you keep those. You know, one thing about these things is you do more than just talk on a phone. In fact, that's probably the least thing I do on this. I don't use it as much as a phone. I'll text people. I like to follow social media. But there's also a device on there. It's a digital camera. Isn't that amazing that today uh, we, we have in our hand just a digital camera that we can capture the moments of life wherever we are, what's going on? It's so easy and accessible to us. I'm old enough to remember the film cameras. Remember the cheap plastic Kodak kind that you had to, to wind the film forward each time you took a picture? Or if you, if you had some money, you bought the Polaroid kind, that uh, little fancier, and it'd spit it out for you. You'd have to wait for a few seconds, but you'd finally see what you took a picture of. I don't know if you know this or not, but in 1975, Kodak developed the first digital camera. Here's a picture of it. Yes, a little bulkier than what we're accustomed to. Steve Sasson developed this camera on his own whenever he worked for Kodak. And it was a digital camera, did not need film. And he was so excited about his invention that he took it to the higher ups and presented it to them with the hope that they would be as excited as he was and that they would say, we need to put money and time and research into this new technology. But instead, they told him, to shelve that in the basement because that's not going anywhere. Nobody wants digital pictures. In fact, they were very insistent to Steve that Kodak is a film company. That's who we are. That is what we do. We produce the world's highest quality film so people can take pictures using our film. We produce the highest quality film cameras. And we produce the highest quality paper so people can print their own pictures from their film that they used with our camera on our paper. We're a film company. Digital's going nowhere. No one wants that. Look at that. Who wants that? It's bulky. It's expensive. And so they put the world's first digital camera in the basement. Fast forward, and in January of 2012, this company storied American company after over 130 years of being in business filed for bankruptcy for one major reason. They could not keep up 
with the changes in culture that had gone digital. The very company that invented the first digital camera filed bankruptcy because they could not keep up with the trend towards digital cameras. The reason I share that with you is because I think Kodak Company, like many organizations, including churches, can forget what their business is. Kodak thought their business was the film business. We are a film company. But that was never their business. Film was just a tool to help them accomplish their business. Their cameras were not their business. Cameras were just a tool to fulfill their business. The quality Kodak paper was not their business. Those were just tools of the business. Do you know what Kodak's business was they forgot? Their business was to help people capture important memories and moments of life. That was their business. It wasn't about the film, the camera, the paper. It was about helping people capture their memories. And because others did it newer and quicker and cheaper and easier, people gravitated towards other companies. In Fort Caroline Baptist Church, we don't have to invent our business as a church. I don't have to come up with our business. Our founder gave us our business. His name is Jesus. And often we think our business as a church is to protect and preserve a style of worship or to build buildings or to have programs and events for every person in your family or to have fellowship meals and just get together and hang out together or to do good in our community. Listen, all of those things are great. Nothing wrong with those things. But those things aren't our business. Those are tools often to help us accomplish our business. But our business is not just to maintain an organization or to maintain and preserve traditions. What is our business? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That is our business. In fact, the Greek in which your New Testament was written, in this sentence, there's only one verb. It's make disciples. In the original, that's the command. That's the imperative, is that followers of Jesus are to go and make disciples. And a disciple is someone who learns of Jesus, decides to follow Jesus, and to pattern their life after him. A disciple is one who commits to the mission of Jesus in their own personal life. A disciple is one who trusts Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and becomes a part of the family of God through faith in Jesus. And we are called as followers of Jesus to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And Jesus promises and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, go. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to be with you spiritually. But while I'm up there and you're down here, this is your business. Go and make disciples. Tell people about me. Call them to follow me like you follow me. And that begins with evangelism. That begins with sharing the good news of Jesus that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose from the dead on the third day. In the, in the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is our privilege to share with people and to invite them 
Trust Jesus. Follow him. Life's better with him. You'll never regret following Jesus. That's our privilege, to invite people to become disciples of Jesus. Our church puts it this way in a simple sentence. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. That is our mission statement as a church. That tells us why we're here. That we're here to glorify God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and pleasing Him. And we exist to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. Because after all, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, that you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's our job. And when you think about this being our business, it clarifies things. But it also makes it possible to assess how's business? How are we doing? How are things here at Fort Caroline Baptist Church? And that's what I want to share with you a little bit now. Because we're an awesome, loving church. And I call this church to my pastor friends. I say Fort Caroline is a pastor's dream. Anyone would be honored to serve this church. And I think you're here today as a testimony that you see value in what God has done in this church in the past. But I think it's important for me to be honest with you that not everything is going well. This last year in 2019, and I mean literally for one solid year, the leaders of your church, hired by you, called by you, entrusted by you, uh, even church members elected by you, did an in-depth look at who we are and how things are going and this honest, penetrating assessment revealed several things that should disturb us. One of them is that worship attendance has stalled across all of our services. That we, we grew, 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 and then we reached a, a point where we have plateaued. We have stopped growing. We also see that the, the number of first-time guests has stalled. That we still see new people almost every week, if not every week. But that number has not grown. That number has plateaued. We also notice something that you can't put down on paper, but it's still nonetheless true. We are more insider-focused than outsider-focused. That the conversation at Fort Caroline is typically in the hallway or in the life groups or between friends. The conversation is typically about us. What we like, what we don't like, what we hope the church will do for us and for our family and and, and it all starts turning inward. The gravitational pull of any church, including this one, starts turning inward. And where we start focusing more on us than about the people that Christ called us to reach, to go to our neighbors and to call them to be followers of Jesus. We've kind of lost that focus. And we've become divided in our passion and strategy in trying to be a church for all people, we thought that we had to do what all people wanted us to do. So you want to add a program, we'll add a program. You want to add an event, we'll add an event. You want to add a style, we'll add a style. All in the hopes of trying to please everyone. And what we discovered while our heart was in the right place, it has actually divided our passion for Jesus and for lost people. And it's divided our strategy where certain people are trying one strategy and other people in the church are trying another strategy. And as a result, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And the ultimate statistic that should break all of our hearts is 
Baptisms have declined over the last few years. We've, we've seen a steady decline in the number of people who are trusting Christ as Savior and going public with their faith through baptism like we saw this morning. There's a life cycle that every person, every living organization, and every or organism and every organization goes through. It's a life cycle. And one of the things we asked is, where is this church of 40 years in the life cycle? Over on the left, it starts with launching and growth, or maybe if it's you, it's being born. And then there's momentum growth, and there's intentional growth, and things are going well. Everything is up and to the right. And then there's sustained health. But if an organism or an organization doesn't watch it, that sustained health will eventually give way to a decline. Maintenance. And then life preservation. And then if you don't do something to intervene, life support. And we know as a church, based on our intuition, but also the study that we conducted in 2019, is that our church is now in the maintenance phase of that life cycle. And when a church reaches that stage, they can stay there, but the plateau will eventually continue to lead to decline. And that's why around us, even in this great community, are once vibrant churches that are now barely able to keep their doors open. They used to have hundreds of people worshiping with them and built buildings and sent missionaries, but they've not been willing to change methods while not changing the message and they've struggled to keep up with the changing culture, and they've continued to decline. In Fort Carolina, we do not believe that is your desire. That's certainly not my desire. And I'll tell you, it's not Christ's desire. This community needs this church to be strong, growing, and vibrant like never before. And so what do you do whenever you see yourself in that maintenance? You stop and you say, God, our past got us here, and we celebrate that. We are praising you for what you've done in our church. But it's time for you to do a new work. We need a new birth. We need a new vision to break that decline and to start a new growth curve here in our church. And so that's what we're going to do today is unpack what God has said to us we need to do in the next five years. So let me give you our vision. And this statement has been birthed in prayer, bathed in prayer. And presented to you in prayer. Over the next five years, we will become one church, passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost in our community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every word in that sentence is important. Our staff had a part of this. Our team had a part of this. But in the end, this was the sentence that God gave me for the clarity I needed to lead our church forward. Over the next five years, we'll become one church. You say, well, we are one church. Not really. We're divided. Often we're divided over preferences. We're divided over ages. And we need to be one church. We need to be one heart, one soul, one passion. And we're going to be one church under Christ, passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost. And that is not who we are today. We are not passionately united and focused on the spiritually lost. I'll tell you what often gets us passionate is the stuff that we like. And, and, and the angst of our hearts is often the things we don't like as the church. But rarely have I seen lately 
a burden that drives us to our knees in prayer for the lost, a burden that calls us to serve this church so that we can reach more people. Rarely do I see a burden across our styles of worship that says, man, this is not about me. It's about what Jesus can do for the next person. And I want to see the next person come to faith in Jesus. We need to become passionately united and focused. So often we ask, you know, we say, well, we want to reach the lost. Well, who are those lost people that we want to reach? One pastor was asked the question, who are you trying to reach? And so he just pulled up the shades in his office and threw over his hand and he said, those are the people we want to reach. And the guy said, well, do you know any of those people? No. <laughs> well, they're going to stay out there until you know who they are. So one of the things we did is we, had, we hired an outside agency to help us look at our community. Who is in this community? Let's stop guessing about who's in our community. I think, you think, and let's look at the demographics and find out who's in our community so that we can be focused on who they are and how we can reach them. So I'll give you some stats about these people um, because we believe the gospel is for all people. And listen, we're going to share it with everybody. But like missionaries, we are going to seek to reach the largest demographic in our community with a laser focus. 65% of our neighbors are under the age of 44. 65% are under the age of 44. I sometimes get criticized for only caring about young people. And listen, if you've been in our church any length of time, you know that's not true. I am a pastor to everyone in this church. And I love our senior adults. But we're in a community of young families. And we're going to try to reach those people because that's who God gave us. We can't pick and choose our community. God planted us here because he knew those people under the age of 44 primarily need Jesus. And listen, this ought to break your heart. Over 80% of them are lost and unchurched. I posted it on my Facebook page this morning, but a Pew Research article talks about how that the millennial generation is the largest generation in American history. It is also the largest non-Christian generation in American history. More millennials today and more Americans today, when they're asked about their spiritual preference, are checking the box, none. I'm a none. Not N-U-N. N-O-N-E. What's your preference? None. More Americans today are saying, I'm agnostic or I'm atheistic than ever before. We are losing a generation. And that ought to break our hearts. Most of the people in our neighborhood are young families. They're dual income. They're both having to work, mom and dad. They're professionals. And they're diverse. Diverse in race, diverse in ethnicity, diverse in many ways. But what we did discover is that these people are open spiritually. Even though they're unchurched. They still believe that there's a God up there somewhere. And they're spiritual, and they, they may even say, I talk to God once in a while. But they don't see any connection to a church to their daily life. And we believe that the body of Christ has a great connection with them, has great relevance to them. And we want to be the church that reaches them so that they can experience the love of Christ like we have. So how will we fulfill our vision of becoming one church, passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost in our community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two big things. First of all, we will celebrate and mentor those whose lives have been transformed by the love of Jesus. 
We believe that God has for us in the next five years an opportunity to celebrate like we've never celebrated before as we lead more people to faith in Christ and to come alongside of those new believers and to disciple them as their lives are being changed by the gospel of Jesus. We can become an extended family of faith to people. So part of this vision of celebrating and mentoring people who are coming to faith in Christ is going to require us to go and tell the good news of Jesus. So we envision equipping 2,025 of you to share the gospel in your own personal life. This cannot be about an attractional model of church that you get them here and Ricky will tell them. We need to go into our community and be ready as God gives us the opportunity to bless our family and friends with a clear gospel message of who Jesus is. I was so burdened over the last year that as I looked at my own personal life, I realized I get up and preach the gospel every Sunday. And I encourage you to go and witness and tell other people about Jesus. But when I did an assessment of my own life, I realized all my time is with Christians. And I became so burdened that I didn't have vital relationships with people who don't believe in Jesus. And I started praying, God, I can't be a hypocrite. God, you've got to help me find ways You've got to help me find ways to start building relationships with people outside the walls of our church. And you've got to help me raise up leaders to handle caring for people in the church so I can carve out some time to go and be with people just as a friend. Now, my thought was I would buy a Mustang GT and join the Mustang Club. <laughs> I'd get to meet people. And then, and then my wife spoke up. And sometimes the Holy Spirit in my family sounds a lot like Donna. And so I knew that wasn't God's will. And then I had a heart attack and ended up in cardiac rehab three days a week. And I'm meeting people I would never have met. And I'm making friends. One of our guys will graduate from cardiac rehab next Monday. And after, after he and I got off the treadmill, he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, let me tell you something. I think this group formed a bond. I think we ought to hang out more after this. Would you be interested in us getting together once in a while? I said, man, I'd love that. So be careful what you pray for. God may answer your prayer. Now, we're not talking about some hard sell sharing the gospel and beating people over the head with the big Bible. We're talking about just blessing your neighbors. In fact, bless, B-L-E-S-S, is an acrostic that kind of helps me remember how I can build relationships with people authentically and share Jesus with them. B stands, and this is not on the screen, but B stands for begin with prayer. So who do you know in your life who needs Jesus? Why don't you start praying for them? I did that last fall when I got serious about this. And I said, God, you need to put some people in my life that I can start praying for. And I got a a call from someone who said, would you mind calling my dad? He's an alcoholic. He's rarely sober. It's like he's spiraling downward. I just wondered if you'd call him. I said, man, I'd be honored to call your dad. Give me his number. And he said, well, you need to wait for me to text you when is a good day to call because I don't want you calling him when he's, when he's drunk. I want you to call him when he's sober. I said, okay. A couple of weeks go by. Young guy calls me. 
or he texted me. And he said, now's a good time to talk to dad. You think you could do it? So I texted him, absolutely. This is the guy I'd been praying for until I could have a chance to talk to him. And as soon as I call him, he answers the phone. And I said, hey, it's Ricky. And he said, Ricky, you are not going to believe this. I've been thinking about you. And I just told my daughter, I'm going to go to church. I want to hear Ricky preach. This is a man who professes atheism. You might say, well, that was just a coincidence. No. You start praying for people, God works in your heart, and he works in their heart. Who's that one person in your life you need to start praying for? Bless, begin with prayer, then L stands listen with care. You start listening to people about what they're dealing with, and they'll give you an opportunity to bring the gospel into the conversation. We're going to show you how to listen with care. E stands for eat together, or as my cardiologist says, no, 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 exercise together. Okay. So either way, but just hang out, do life, build friendships with people. And then the first S in blessed stands for serve. Be a friend, be a neighbor, be a good family member. And then the final S is when God gives you the chance, share your story. Share your story of faith in Jesus and how he's making a difference in your life. And God will use your story to reach other people. We envision as a result of you and me personally sharing our faith that our baptisms will grow and we will see 250 baptisms in the next five years. Will that not excite you? Will that not give us something to celebrate? Will that not give us 250 people to mentor, to come alongside them, and to help them as they grow in their faith in Christ? The second component of our vision is we will not only celebrate and mentor, we're going to expand our reach and impact in Jacksonville. We're going to expand our reach and impact in Jacksonville. Someone told me about a month ago after our Be Rich campaign, and this was not a church member, but they heard what we were doing, and they learned more about our church. <laughs> and the person said, you guys are the best-kept secret in Jacksonville. Well, I don't want to be the best-kept secret anymore. I want people to know that we care about this community. And so we're going to invest in the next five years 10,000 hours and $100,000 through our community partners. We don't care if they're Christians or not. If they're helping people meet needs in this neighborhood, we are going to help them. If they need volunteers, we're going to say, I got the best volunteers in this city. We'll come and help you. If they need some cash, we're going to say, we got the best dollars in Jacksonville. We'll be, because they've been prayed over. And so we're going to give you some money, and we're going to help our community partners. We're going to help the orphans. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to help the, the homeless. We're going to come alongside veterans. We're going to fight P PTSD. We're going to come alongside people that are going through real needs. And we're going to say, you may not believe like we believe. That's okay, but we want to help you. That'll change our community. We're also going to build a new worship center, and we're going to expand our kids' wing because as we grow as a church, we're going to need more room. This building was not designed for modern worship. I don't know if you've known that. This building was designed to become our fellowship hall one day. I doubt that will be, but that's why it has a low ceiling. That's why it has narrow hallways. That's why it has small restrooms. It was never meant for hundreds of people. But what we did years ago is we made the strategic decision, we're going to invest more money in missions than in buildings. And when we build, we're going to give our kids the best space the first. And we'll just do multiple services and make do with small crowded hallways and bathrooms. But what we discovered in our community assessment is that most people don't even notice us when they drive by. 
We're not on their radar. And those who do notice us say, oh yeah, you're that little Baptist church. Because we look like a small Baptist church because they think the Sunday school building, the, the, the life group building that has 10 classrooms in it that faces the road, they think that is the church. So they think we're a very small traditional church. And the young families in our community, that's not the kind of church they're looking for. If they're looking for a church at all. And so we want to build a new worship center in the next few years. And it won't be a huge auditorium. It'll be just a little larger than this. But it will have a gathering space so that between services we can actually have a place to hang out. And drink a cup of coffee and meet people rather than be out in the parking lot as soon as you leave. Because there's no gathering space here between services. And we're going to go multi-site and start two new churches in the next five years. Once we're done here with that building, we're done. We've only got nine acres. We're surrounded by homes. But the kingdom of God is too important for us to say, well, we're done. No, we're going to just take it off site. We're going to pray and trust God to give us a new location somewhere in our city that we can start a new campus of Fort Caroline Baptist Church. And we're going to also, on top of that, start two new churches. And I'm proud to tell you that this morning, something that we've been kind of praying about ever since Dr. John Schultz uh, stepped away is uh, that one of those churches that we want to help plant is the one that John plants at Mayport in near the Naval Station. That has been our heart, has been our dream, has been our passion. And John has heard from me before he left, if God calls you to start that church, I think I can say on behalf of Fort Caroline Baptist Church that we will be your sending church. How do you feel about that? The North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention has already told me that uh, if John passes the assessment, who <laughs> thinks he's not going to pass the assessment, and if John feels led to start this church, they will give us $70,000 to get it started. Praise God. That's good. The next part of our vision, and I've already shared this with leaders on Wednesday night. I shared it at our 8 o'clock traditional service, and I'm going to share it with you. The next part of this vision will require sacrifice and maturity. But remember the vision will become one church passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost, those young families in our community. But I think any sacrifice we make of time, of money, of convenience for the lost is worth it. If it helps us reach one person for Jesus. The Apostle Paul felt that way in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 and 3. He said, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. In other words, he's saying, this is not hyperbole. What I'm about to tell you is sincere. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul said, if it meant me going to hell so they could go to heaven, I'd be willing. And when I thought about how often I want what's comfortable to me, I was convicted by Paul's example that a soul is worth whatever sacrifice I have to make. Paul knew going to hell was not an option. But he nonetheless had a passion for the lost. And I'm going to ask you, 
when we ask you to give of your time, your money, your convenience, to give up your preferences, to stop being inwardly focused if that is an issue you're dealing with, it's going to be so that we can reach one more person with the gospel of Christ. So this next component, in order to be the one church, we will move in February to end our 8 a.m. traditional service. It will move to a multi-generational, single style of worship that is compelling to a new generation that needs Jesus and desires to be loved and mentored by the older generations. So the 930 service and the 1045 service will remain. But you need to know that the overwhelming response at 8 a.m. this morning to the news that we need to end that service and come together as one church, focused, united, passionate for the lost, was overwhelmingly positive. See? Senior adults came to the altar this morning and they started writing names of one person. Some wrote many names of people in their life who are lost, who they want to see come to faith in Jesus. One senior adult stood here with me after the service, and she said, I had to write down every single name of my grandchildren because none of them are Christians, and none of them are in church. And she said, I wrote their name down, and I am with you 100%. Folks, that is huge, that they're willing to make that sacrifice to come into a style of worship like we did this morning that is not who they are. Sometimes it's not even comfortable if they have hearing aids. The, the drums or the volume is not. And if you're getting older like I am and your eyesight is not as good as it used to be, coming into a little bit of a darkened room during the worship time, that's not what you would choose. But they said, we're willing, we're in, we're behind you. And they should be celebrated for what they're doing. And they should be welcomed in this service. So that when we look around, we look like a family. People of all ages, all generations, for one reason, because of Jesus. Worshiping him and pointing other people to him. So in February, we will be one church. We'll still have two services. But we're going to be one style that's compelling to a new generation and we will not compromise the gospel. We believe Christ is calling us to unity of heart, mind, and strategy. We need the senior adults in our church so we can be a multi-generational church, passionate and working together. We will continue to foster a vibrant senior adult ministry in our church. So whether it's our pioneers or the music that they like in the different venues, I've told them we want to keep the senior adult musicals like the patriotic musical, the Christmas musical. Those are wonderful events that we need to continue. But we also want them to take that on the road. There are people in these communities that could use that like at a nursing home, that older generation that can no longer come to church here. Let's go and do a hymn sing there. and Keep that vibrant music for that generation that loves it. One of our senior adults posted on his Facebook page, so I stole it, put it on mine uh, last week. He put up there, the devil does not fear a big church. He fears a united church. 
And that's what Jesus prayed for. He prayed for us to be one. Listen to John 17, verses 20 and following. Jesus prayed, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you. You're in the Bible. Jesus prayed for you. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world, here it is, so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity, that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus prayed this because he knew that our unity in the church impacts our testimony in the world. The world will not believe the gospel of Jesus if they see us divided. They need to see our unity. So the devil does not fear a big church. He fears a united church. And after today, the devil has something to fear. At Fort Caroline Baptist Church. Who's your one? If you had to come forward today and write down a name, who's your one? I've been burdened. And I was the first one to write names down on these letters of my one. It's more than one that I want to see come to faith. Family members and friends. Today, I'm going to invite you to write down your one when this service is over. There are markers here. And I'm going to pray over every one of those names. After the Wednesday night leaders meeting, I came back in. There were 111 names of people that we're praying for to come to faith in Jesus. I don't know how many are on there now. Who's your one? Watch this testimony of a few people that heard the vision last Wednesday night. And without me pushing, prompting, this is the testimony they gave us. I would just like to say that I've been at this church now for eight years. And... I just feel like the actions that Pastor Ricky is asking us to take, they are for what the purpose of the church is for. And I'm just going to pray and give him all the spiritual and physical support I can. Hey church, um, I'm Casey. Um, you probably know me from singing up on stage every single Sunday. Um, I am so excited for what God has in store for our church. Um, I've been going here for literally 17 years. I came to this church because my grandparents brought me. So I am literally, I've never been more excited since I've been going to this church as a little kid. I've never been more excited to see just the amazing things that God is about to do in our church and through our congregation and in our community. Um, I, I hope you're on board too. I know I'm in, I know my husband's in, I know my life group, we are in to do whatever God is wanting us to do in this community. The reason I serve this church is um, many years ago, several years ago, I heard uh, a pastor say that Sunday mornings aren't necessarily for the Christians who already attend church every Sunday, but it's for 
the lost that are coming to your church looking to hear God's word. And as Christians, it's our duty to, um, as a witness to them, give them the best experience possible um, at church while they are here. And that really stuck with me. I, uh, since that time, have always wanted to serve every Sunday morning so that those who are coming to church to hear God's word, maybe for the first time, will have the best experience possible. And I hope every Sunday that they can get that here at Fort Caroline. I'm a Patsy Abercrombie and I'm a charter member of this church and I love this church and I'm behind Ricky whatever he wants to do and I hope everybody else will be too. Thank you. I'm all in because we are better together. I just want to say I'm, I'm behind what, what the church is putting forward and, uh, and the, it, to quote something that we used to say all the time, one team, one fight. And I'm looking forward to what's, what the future holds. And I'm excited just to see what God's going to do with all of this and it'll just be an exciting time and I pray that a lot of souls are going to be saved. Hi, I'm Susan Weaver. I'm really excited about all the changes coming up. Um, I'm just excited to glorify God and everything. I'm um, so excited about everything that Pastor Ricky had to talk, talk to us about. My name is Travis Stratman and we are fortunate enough to come to Fort Caroline Baptist Church with my family, my wife Jennifer, my son Austin, and my daughter Autumn. And this church has blessed us in so many ways, but we would not have received any of these blessings had it not been for a great senior adult named Suzanne Dresser, who lived across the street from us. Came over the day we were moving boxes in, stopped us from moving boxes, just sharing with us about this great church. Uh, the impact it's had on our life is incredible, and uh, we, we couldn't be more proud of our pastor, Ricky, and the staff for the direction they're leading this church and the great opportunities they're putting before us. Thank you all very much. We love you all. I'm Martina Widener, and I have been coming to Fort Caroline from the very beginning when we were in the clubhouse down the street. I love this church, and I've seen a lot of changes, and I'm certainly for the changes that we're going for now. I have grandchildren that are burdened in my heart, and I believe if they could come to Fort Caroline, that they would get their lives straightened out and get back on track like they used to be. Whatever it takes to bring young people in and get people saved is what I'm for, and I'm back in this church 100%. And I, I hope that everybody else feels the same way. Without change, we cannot go forward. pray and then I want to know who you're going to write down. Father, we thank you for this call, this vision that you have placed in front of us. We know it's a Christ-honoring vision because it's focused on glorifying Christ and reaching the lost and helping people know they don't have to stay separated from God. They can have a God who loves them, who's a part of their everyday life, and it's all possible through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So God, I pray that during this time right now, you would burden our hearts like we've never been burdened before with someone that we can be instrumental in telling them about Jesus. God, I pray that we don't leave today talking about ending styles of music or we don't leave talking about how long can Ricky go without crying. I pray we leave this place passionate about lost people coming to faith in Jesus and the great privilege that we have of introducing them to Jesus and coming together as a church. 
Father, I thank you for the way that so many have already embraced this vision, including their willingness to sacrifice in such personal ways. And God, I pray that you would bless those who are still praying and seeking your face as they've heard this vision. I pray that you will just speak into their heart what you need them to know and what you need them to hear. Father, we thank you that we're going to be a united church. Father, we love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.